hope you brought an apple for the teacher, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. I'm Professor Rabble Rouser, and with me is a man who has a doctorate in draft value. It's none other than the great Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? <laughs> Doing great, Rabs. Good to be here. Excited about today's show. Um, looking forward to uh, what's on the agenda today. Um, I will say it's been a little crazy at my house this week. We've had some family uh, come down to visit, and uh, that's always a crazy time. Um, and I, it made me think a little bit, like a couple of weeks ago when we had, uh, you know, Dave on to talk about trivia, one of your questions, uh, the, one of the answers was Jimmy, um, Jimmy Jones, you know, and he, um, you know, he's the one that, uh, blocked that, that, that Leon let muffed, you know, toward in the Thanksgiving game. And, mm-hmm. and, and I specifically remember that holiday, uh, that was actually my first Thanksgiving with my girlfriend who is now my wife and it was the first time I met her family and they came over and, and my mother-in-law, she made this, this pumpkin pie. And, you know, I love pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie. And she, she made this pumpkin pie for me. And it was the, 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 the most terrible dessert thing I have ever sunk my teeth into. And of course, this is the first time I'm meeting, you know, my future in-laws and I like this girl. I did wanted to keep dating her. So of course I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, this is good. This is good. And, uh, and I ate the whole, whole piece. And then finally, like my father-in-law had a piece and then he like spit it out and it was just, you know, it was awful. And I guess she forgot to add sugar. And, uh, and my wife's looking at me like, why did you even eat that? So, I mean, Obviously, I was just, you know, I don't want to be, be rude or anything. But anyway, I just brought back some, some old memories. I was thinking about that. And uh, now having a house, house full of people, it's just, uh, you know, creates a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, awkwardness. And do you, have you ever had any awkward visitors uh, that you can think of? It's funny, it's funny that you mentioned that particular example because I, um, I was actually at my mom's house on Thanksgiving in 1993 for that particular game that you mentioned, that debacle against the Dolphins. And um, my mom's TV wasn't working. It, it, it like went out in the third quarter. And so I actually had to go out in my car and listen to it on the radio in my oh. car out in the driveway. My mom at the time was in this little stretch of her life where she was deciding that she was going to make Thanksgiving for all of the misfit toys. So she had all these people over that I didn't even know, all these sort of goofy people who didn't have like families that were local or didn't have friends or whatever. And so, um, and I was just radiating anger and frustration and I went back in there and I'm sure I ruined Thanksgiving, but it was also like, I ruined Thanksgiving when, when, you know, here we were at the Island of Misfit Toys and, um, and then here's, here's like, you know, uh, the sun over in the corner, just like, you know, furious at everything, like slapping down the mashed potatoes and making noise, you know, and pouring the gravy and not saying thank you. And so, yeah, I, to- I totally sympathize with that. And, and listen, hey, kudos to you because you somehow survived that and you ended up, um, you know, obviously you've been married to her for some time now and you guys have beautiful children and grandchildren. So, so I guess that's, that's, the, that's evidence that it was the right one, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, and, and I don't think I 
had a little any sort of uh, hissy fits on that day, but they did get a glimpse of like this guy is completely consumed by this football football game. So uh, it's their first look of that, and uh, you know many more to come. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know we all have had some strange visitors in times, uh, you know, during our lives. Uh, the Cowboys themselves got some visitors. Um, oh, nice segue. Yes, sir. What, uh, why don't you tell us what we have on the agenda before we get to that? Um, so before we, before we talk about the Cowboys 30 visits, I just want to let everyone know that we've got a great show here today. We're going to start our draft coverage officially here today. We've been kind of putting it off because uh, Rabble doesn't like to do the draft until April. Rabs. So to kick things off, we're going to be joined by my dude, Katie Drummond. Uh, way back in the day, KD and I developed a list of Cowboys draft commandments that were kind of like historical trends that it really helped us understand and, and predict what the Cowboys were going to do on draft day. And KD over the years has continued to refine them over the course of the Will McClay, Stephen Jones era. So we're going to run down his list from last year and see what it can tell us about what the Cowboys might do this year in the last week of April. And one of the things we're going to talk about is the 30 visits. So, uh, you know, speaking of awkward visits, uh, what are your thoughts about the Cowboys 30 visit list? Uh, I think 28 of the names, maybe even 29 of them were released over the last week. So thoughts about who's on that list? Yeah, so it's, it is interesting. I am a little surprised, to be honest, because I, I feel like the talent distribution is kind of, you know, there it's you have some stuff happening early. And then after that, it's kind of like, who are these guys? And there's, there's a lot of like unknowns and like later, later guys. So, uh, I mean, I do understand the Cowboys do have four fifth round picks and we're going to see a lot of surprises. So it's good to kind of target some of those players that will be in those groupings. But I would say my first instinct that my first impression of, of this list is Number one, the Cowboys may pull the trigger on a first wild wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's three of the, you know, what I consider like the, the five, the main five that are on this list. And so uh, to me, that means that's a very, you know, very distinct possibility. What what are your thoughts on that element? Do you think? Um, I, I agree. And it's, it's interesting because this week, suddenly that possibility is beginning to float back out there. And I think it's largely because people are starting to do a lot of, I, I think it's a result of people doing mock drafts and, and realizing that, wait a second, if I draft a guard or an interior offensive lineman in round one, I don't love the wide receiver options that are oftentimes available at 56 or even in the third round. Um, whereas there, there are possibly you know, reasonably uh, solid guard options in those later rounds. And so, uh, I, yeah, I think that, I think there's a very uh, strong likelihood that they could draft a first round wide receiver. Um, and, you know, one of the other conversations that's been happening a lot lately is, is about draft value. And um, I do think that getting, they're going to, they're, they're more likely to extract value from the draft if they draft a wide receiver in, ra- in round one, because they'll get five years of that wide receiver contract and the, and the amount they'll be paying, assuming the player pans out, the amount they'll be paying over the course of that five years will be a much smaller fraction of what the top wide receiver contracts merit than, than as they do the same thing with an interior offensive lineman, because those guys tend to be paid a lot 
a lot less. So I do think that it's starting to make a lot of sense that they might draft a wide receiver after us really thinking that the lone shining light for the last couple, three weeks has been interior offensive line. Yeah. And see, I do. There are a lot of wide receivers that I like on day two. I mean, I think my list, I think, I don't know how many I have in the top 100. So I'm like, that's one of the reasons I sort of hope they don't go that route. But at the same time, I have a favorite, like I would be ecstatic if they got Chris Olave. He, to me, is like uh, instant, you know, in, instant jolt to this offense. And uh, 100%. And yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, nobody's going to be missing Amari Cooper, in my opinion, if uh, we get a player like that. So, it, you know, if a player like that's available, I'm I'm, I'm pouncing on, on something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, at the, at the same time, I there I think there's – if you looked at we, if we got like Zion, for example, in, in round one, I feel like we could get a combination of guard and wide receiver probably would be better because I, because I like the ones that they have on, on day two. And uh, whereas it, I think it's a little trickier that I have, I have a tough time with some of the, the day two guards and, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's to me, I, I think it's starting to get more and more clear that we're looking at a, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green type thing, or whoever is their top receiver that happens to still be there. I think that's, I wouldn't even think, I wouldn't consider, you know, much much else. I think that that's kind of where they're going. And I think maybe this list, it's kind of hints that way as well. I, I agree. I think that the other thing the list speaks to is um, the fact that they are uh, thinking, I think with this list more about, where they draft than they are about position. So there have been there have been 30 visit lists in the past where they've just strafe bombed like every available defensive end or in, you know in the first two or three rounds and every available offensive lineman in the first two or three rounds. It's very clear they want a guard and they want a defensive end and they're going to get one and they want to they want to meet all of them because that way they can figure out what the best combinations mm-hmm. uh, might be. They did the same thing in, for example in 2017. We knew they were going to draft an edge rusher and a corner. And it just, it was just a matter of what combination, right? right? This year, it seems a little different. It feels more like we got a bunch of guys at 24. we got a bunch of guys at 56. Let's kind of see how it works out because um, you never know who's going to, who's going to drop to you at 24. And so I, I, I do get the sense that if there's anything that's different about this one, it's that it's, it's more geared to where they draft than the fact that they want to make sure that they draft, um, you know, they, they come away with, with specific positions. I, mean, I do think they'll come away with specific positions, but they're, they're clearly not bringing every, every possible interior offensive lineman from the first two days, which is something they might have done a few years back. Yeah. And I also think too, is, um, you know, you, you map this uh, positions out for us nicely, Rabs, and thank you for that. Uh, you know, looking at that too, that they're pretty spread out. There's a, you know, you yes. look at them and I think they're, I'm counting like, you know, seven position groups that consist of either three or four players. So, you know, there's it's it's not so centered, you know, centralized like like you had said in years past. It's, they're a little spread out. Maybe there's some tight ends that we like. You know, there's some, you know, some linebackers we like. It's and it's and I and I like seeing that because you know, it, honestly, the Cowboys they this is one of the rare times to me where the I don't think they're forced into any position. I know we need offensive line help, but I think that there's you know, their goal of being pure is, uh, you know, probably closer to be a reality than they have been in years past. So 
and that's so seeing this kind of spread does not surprise me. hundred percent. And I think the last two years show that um, drafting pure is something that yields dividends. And I think that they may have learned from the last couple of years when they didn't stick to their initial plan, right? Because something surprising happened in, in both years. And um, so a combination of, of that recent history and the fact that I think Mike McCarthy um, probably has, 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 you know, offered a little bit different, maybe a little bit of a philosophical perspective that's a little bit different than what the Cowboys have done and what Jerry, Jason Garrett was, was kind of advocating, I think may, may mean that they're a little bit more likely, as you said, to draft pure. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, and listen, we're going to have plenty of opportunities in our, in our future pods to talk about um, these guys, the position groups they're, they're in. And, and I think right before the draft, really sort of strategize about, you know, if we ran the circus, what would we do in terms of this, the, the, the combination you started this off with, uh, which is the kind of interior offensive line versus wide receiver. Because I really do think that that's going to be the, that's the puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 100% agree. So, I mean, I know the Cowboys have a plan and, uh, you know, they also have rules that they stick by. And uh, speaking of which, you know, I think uh, we're going to get a nice little lesson today and, uh, and dive into those rules. Indeed. Let's get our guest lecturer in here, shall we? Yes, let's do that. All right, children, I am thrilled to welcome to our classroom today the Dean of BTB Podcasting. The great, great KD Drummond. KD, welcome. It's great to see you, man. Gentlemen, it is my absolute pleasure to join you guys on your podcast. Uh, congratulations on it, first of all. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's about that time that we get together and do some talking about these uh, cowboys of ours, this thing of ours. Absolutely. Uh, for, so for me, KD is a man of firsts. Uh, so he was the first cat to author a podcast at BTB. His podcast, in fact, was the first one I ever appeared on as a guest. And you may or may not remember this, KD. Uh, you were the first guest on the pod that I hosted with Landon back in the day. So it, it's, it's fitting that he's here for our first pre-draft pod. So we're actually starting our draft coverage today because I just I can't do I can't do months and months of draft. So we're starting that today. Way back when we were working at BTB together, KD and I worked on a lot of stuff that has become now a sort of central part of the conversation when analyzing the Cowboys front office and their behavior. So like the salary cap, uh, roster building. Remember uh, we talked about the positions of great import when it still included the running back. And then, and then you sort of narrowed that down and focused it to the money five and a lot of other things. Um, And today we're going to start off our draft coverage uh, by focusing on something we started working on 10 years ago, which is, the commandments and then and thinking about cowboys draft behavior so to to kind of frame that i'm going to go ahead and turn it over to my podcast partner dan all right so i am super excited for this so typically we try to offer some learning moments after all this is a seminar but today we're actually going to have a sermon if you will so a little history way back in 1446 bc okay maybe not quite that long maybe more like 2010-ish AD, or or more appropriately, 2010 KD, started developing some rules based on the trends of how the Cowboys approached the draft. Over time, these rules have turned into scripture that has made it all the way through the Cowboys metaverse. 
and into the laps of knowledge thirsty fans like myself. I can speak firsthand. This information is stuff you want to have. So behold, we have for you today KD's Ten Commandments. These tablets of stone is Ten Commandments. So what we're going to do is we are going to list some of these commandments Katie published last year. For each of them, we're going to ask Katie to outline the history, predict how closely he thinks the Cowboys will follow those commandments in 2022, and where appropriate, we'll debate whether or not the trend represents smart drafting. And as a bonus, we might even offer up some prospects that fall in line with these draft rules. So are we ready for commandment number one, Rabs? We are. So the first commandment is thou shalt use the first pick on the draft's best player at his particular position. So this has always been one of the more fascinating trends and it's actually held up really well over the years. So no matter where Dallas picks in the first round, they've got a long history of picking the prospect who is ranked number one in his position on their draft boards. Right, KD? Yeah, that's correct. It's uh, It's been going on for a long time now. And I developed the commandments probably around 2013, 2014, because based on the trend that we had been seeing for the last several years at that time of how they uh, used to pick. Uh, and it kind of started with 2010. Uh, you could say Des Bryant was the best wide receiver in that draft. He had some off-field issues that made him plummet. And I believe Demarius Thomas was drafted before him, but Des Bryant was the best wide receiver talent in that draft. 2011, they took the best offensive tackle in Teron Smith. They believed in in 2012 that Morris Claiborne was the best corner and they actually traded up to acquire him. 2013, Travis Frederick was the top center. 2014, Zach Martin, the top guard. 2015, Byron Jones was the best athlete, best athlete in the draft. He was not the first cornerback selected, but he was a world record holder and he was by far the best athlete at the, uh, at the cornerback position. 2016, Ezekiel Elliott, the top running back. Um, and, and then they kind of put it on the shelf for a little bit after that. Um, you know, obviously 2018, they took Leighton Vanderesh late in the draft. They had the whole, um, I'm skipping over a year because, uh, you know, <laughs> taco, <laughs> taco <laughs> should have taken TJ Watt. They had it right there in front of them for them to do it. Uh, but yeah, but as you said, it's, it's held up very well. And in my estimation, 2020, they, uh, kind of, they, they kind of jumped what they were planning to do when CD lamb fell to them. Uh, in the draft. And then obviously last year, they took Michael Parsons, who was not just the best linebacker, but turned out to be the best defender in the draft and looking like somebody that's going to be an all pro candidate for the next decade. Uh, so they are very keen on making sure that regardless of what position it is, they're going to get the guy that they think is the best at that position. They don't settle for second best. And it seems to be a theme that will likely come true this year. When you look at the players that they identified in their 30 draft visits, you see the handful of receivers. And I think because of the need at the receiver position, they're prepared if Traylon Burks, uh, Chris Olave, uh, and I'm probably mispronouncing, I always mispronounce uh, draftees' names before they get drafted. Um, and the and the third one that they um, identified, who is the third one Drake, that's on there? Drake list? London. Right, there you go, Drake London. And they're all... Um, different types of receivers. I think London and Burks are kind of in the big body receiver type, but they're preparing themselves. If one of those guys should fall to them at 24 to have their due diligence completed and know what they are uh, picking or passing on. But outside of that, you look at the other guys right there staring at you are the two guards. 
um, Green and Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson. And I think the Cowboys are more than prepared to take one of those guys at 24 uh, if they are there, if the wide receivers are wiped out. And that would fit the mold. Uh, they obviously have a need there at left guard. They have a wide open position with Connor Williams moving on to Miami. Connor McGovern proving that he's not capable of being a starting left guard. I think they're set up for that. But there are some other guys there. Uh, Jordan Davis would clearly be the best defensive tackle uh, in this draft if they were going to select him. He's one of the 30-visit guys. And I think they're just prepared to do that once again as opposed to taking the second or third best guy because that hasn't really worked out for them well. Um, Taco Charlton, Leighton Vander Esch, he came on like gangbusters. And you could have made an argument that Vander Esch could have been considered one of the best or the best linebacker. I think he was the third linebacker taken in that season. he wasn't the best linebacker on my board uh, during that season. So, you know, I, that's why I say that I think they strayed away from it, but very close to their edicts that they always follow. The Cowboys will try to get the best player at a given position. Yeah. And yeah, those players you mentioned, I think I, I mentioned those in when I uh, touched on this commandment er- earlier and I think t- uh, Tyler Lindenbaum would be another one too. If, if for some reason, you know, that the Cowboys went yep. in went that direction too. And, uh, yeah, so I, uh, it would be interesting. I, I don't know that, uh, I, I feel like with the wide receivers, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but there's going to be a lot of variation, how those things are, people perceive them. And so even though like say a Chris Alave is, if the Cowboys end up drafting him or something, you know, if he was like the fourth receiver off the board, something, it could be very well that he's their number one guy. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. And, uh, then, then again, there, there's the Cowboys getting the top player at a certain position. Yeah, and, and and again, it's always beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think you're exactly right. Depending on what you're looking for, um, to me, Alave matches what, um, what the skill set that they lost in Cooper the best out of the top flight receivers. Um, but I think generally the Cowboys understand how deep the wide receiver position is. Uh, it's basically become running back where the best athletes, the best players are now playing wide receiver as opposed to playing running back where they were 10 to 20 years ago. And I think that's a flavor of the month position. I don't think you have to go uh, first round in order to get a wide receiver that's going to contribute. We just see, saw them give Michael Gallup a long-term deal uh, despite his injury, and he was a third-round pick. Um, clearly, again, CeeDee Lamb fell to them, so they felt that they you know, were gifted a top-flight receiver in that situation. But I think all in all, the Cowboys are prepared to get the wide receiver they need later in the second round, in the third round, depending on how things fall, uh, because some of the other positions end up getting wiped rather early, whereas you have wide receiver depth all the way through the third and the fourth round where you can get guys Um, fourth round is a little bit dicey, but you can get a guy uh, maybe, uh, you know, an Alex Pierce is going to be available uh, on, you know, early on day three that could come in and make a, uh, make an impact right away. Uh, Wide receiver is just a much deeper position because of how many great athletes there are and the evolve the, the evolution of the college game right now. I mean, it's just incredible. The guys that they're producing. So I think the Cowboys are prepared if, you know, they decide their guy is there to make that move, but they're definitely prepared to wait on wide receiver and, and uh, go through one of these other uh, positions and make sure that they get the top guy. Yes. All right. So I'm going to move on to the next commandment. And this one is thou shalt covet keeping your first rounders. So the recent trend since the McClay, Stephen Jones, you know, took the helm is that the team stays put when it comes to their first round so what is your thoughts with this is there any way a team can um convince the cowboys to give up their their pick 24 i think it's going to be really hard 
for them to do that because the way the Cowboys are structured, you got to remember the draft is just one mechanism that a team goes through in roster building. Um, you know, you have free agency, you have trade, and then you have the draft as far as ways that you're going to produce talent and, and replenish your lineup. The Cowboys are gung-ho about the draft being the way to do that. And what comes with a first-round pick is that fifth-year option. When you take a guy in the first round, obviously every rookie has a four-year contract, but then you have the cost-controlled aspect of the fifth-year option. And I think that is very important for the Cowboys, much more so than it is for other franchises around the league. They want to make sure that they have the ability to make that decision. Uh, they they declined it on Leighton Vanderess this last year, and they brought it back for the fifth year at a much cheaper rate. But that option to be able to say after three years, yeah, this is definitely a guy that I want to lock in for the fifth year, I think that's paramount in the way that the Cowboys build their roster and it's very important to them so yeah uh it's going to be difficult i think for another team to get the cowboys to move off of that but it's not impossible i think based on this draft class and i know it's you know draft classes are generally judged by the quarterback talent you know that basically rises the tide uh based on the number of quarterbacks that are going to be in the first round because when a lot of quarterbacks are taken in the first round that pushes talent at other positions down the draft and the cowboys never draft a, a quarterback in the first round they don't they don't even pay attention to any of those guys like i don't even know i don't even know the last time the cowboys brought in a top fly guy even when it was like i guess i guess 2016 when they brought in yeah uh the yeah. paxton lynches and you know those those sorts of players thankfully they didn't make that move uh to get paxton lynch and they ended up uh you you know, lucking into that, but the Cowboys just don't care about first round quarterbacks. But what that does is again, it drops other positions talent down to them. This year is a questionable draft class. I've heard it said both ways. Yes, because the quarterbacks aren't there. This is a weak class, but otherwise it's strong at certain positions and there's certainly depth, but, but let's be honest. There are years that you go through the history of the draft and there are years that there are just clunkers and, you know, guys that, you know, every, every team has a different top 20, every, every team has, has, you know, a different collection of guys that they have rated as first rounders. We talk about it all the time. Only 16 to 18 guys on each team's draft board are rated as first round players. And then once you get past that, it's kind of, you know, a hodgepodge of which player fits a certain team. But I think for the Cowboys, there's a situation where you could see them this year based on that draft class say, hey, these guys are kind of lumped in together. Maybe all 18 of their guys, maybe they only have 15 or 16 first round rated prospects and they're washed when they get to 24. And let's say somebody wants to come up for Ritter or a Howell or just makes a splash for one of the quarterbacks because they love that guy mm -hmm. and are willing to give the Cowboys a future first round pick, but the Cowboys can drop down into like 35, 37, that range at the top of the second round and then pick up a first year, first round pick next year. I think that's more of a possibility in 2022 than it has been in a long time. But if I was a betting man, I would still probably bet that the Cowboys are going to stay put in the first round. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because the Cowboys are actually, like, let's just say the quarterbacks, maybe you have the top two go early, you know, with maybe Seattle makes a move, you know, gets ahead of Carolina, Carolina gets one, and then it's just like crickets for a while. And then if you get toward, you know, the Cowboys are at, if you have teams, because, you know, Tampa Bay and Green Bay are behind the Cowboys. If, like, say, a team now wants to jump ahead of those teams or something and, and get one, because exactly. suddenly then, you know, the, like Ritter or, or um, Howell, it's not such a bad value at, you know, late in the first round and you get your fifth year. Like, so it could be interesting to see the Cowboys maybe get involved in that little, you know, scuffle there. And, uh, and we know that the Cowboys 
they're they like a lot of players in this draft. So maybe you know getting more picks is you know something that I could definitely see them doing. So I think that the way the quarterbacks, the dynamic of that is going to be really interesting to pay attention to. Yeah, in doing so, they would they would probably trade back to round two, which actually brings us to our next commandment, which is um, I think one that sent some shockwaves through uh, Cowboys Nation on more than one occasion, which is thou shalt take risks in round two. Um, it, I, one of the things that you, you've you mentioned in the past, KD, is it seems like that was on hold, particularly maybe like in 17 when they picked up uh, Chidobe Awuzie. I would actually say that um, it it... I, th- I would like to offer a, a sort of amendment or a codicil, which is thou shalt extract value in round two. So in some ways, like th- taking risk is really about just trying to extract value. So what do you think about that? And, and how do you think that might play out in the, in the 22 draft? Yeah, there, there are certainly some guys um, that fit the mold of extracting value, getting guys that are more talented than what their draft slot would indicate. And it kind of nestles into the conversation we were having about the first round. The Cowboys go mm-hmm. guard, center, interior offensive lineman or interior defensive lineman in round one. They got to get that wide receiver. So then you're looking at guys like um, Pickens, George mm-hmm. Pickens out of Georgia. You're looking at a guy like John Mechie out of Alabama. Those guys who would otherwise be first round talents, but because of their checkered entry history, Pickens did come back at the end of the year. Mechie was you obviously lost in the uh, college playoff season. Um, but those are the types of guys that represent tremendous talent value, but might slide to the second round. And then it nestles into the fact that the Cowboys need a wide receiver. So the question then becomes, okay, well, you know that Michael Gallup is going to be gone. I don't know why anybody thought he was going to be available week one. He's going to be out for a couple weeks to start the season. Um, I don't know if he's even healthy uh, to be a wide receiver two throughout the season. I have my extreme doubts about that. I like the long-term investment. I think they overpaid for him, but it is what it is. Um, But if you have that situation, can you then take a wide receiver to be your anointed guy who has an injury history? You know, that that kind of question comes up. But I think the draft is just kind of, you know, when you look at it from a mock draft perspective, and that's always a fool's errand because how many mock drafts do we do and none of them seem to come true and they're completely off. But you do like to get a feel for where guys are when it comes to that sort of thing. So yeah, those two guys, I think are tremendous values at that position. Um, if they make it to 56, they might still be gone, you know, d- depending on how things fall, they might still be gone. But yeah, I, I definitely think the Cowboys are going to be looking for that value guy. Um, Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics, but now with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really 
lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Those are my two primary targets. Anytime that I don't take a wide receiver in the first, I'm always like, can I get Pickens? Can I get Mechie? And I'm actually of the belief, and I might be, you know, teasing some things. I think the Cowboys are going to double dip at wide receiver the way they double dipped at cornerback last year. I, I really do. I think that, you know, we went into last year and we knew what Trevon Diggs, uh, we didn't know he was going to be 11 interception Trevon Diggs, but we knew that there was something there based on the way that he ended his rookie season. The Cowboys didn't care. They saw value there. They had a couple picks on day two and they took Kelvin Joseph, uh, who was a risky pick based on his off field. He was dismissed from two different teams, officially dismissed from one, but, you know, they told him to sit down at Kentucky to end the season. Um, and then they turned back around and took Nishan Wright. So they double dipped, even though they had a bona fide starter. And I think they're in the same position because really you need four wide receivers in today's game. You need four top flight receivers based on injury, based on the way that you, you know, run your offense. I have a feeling that the Cowboys are going to go early day one or day two, and then they'll circle back around on day three and take another wide receiver. I really feel like the depth of that, of this draft at that position is going to be, uh, is going to call for that. And if they're planning on double dipping, if they're considering double dipping, then taking the guy with an injury history in the first place doesn't seem as much as a risk, you know, so it might be mitigating their risk to go out and get another receiver after they take one of these guys in the second round, if that's what they do. Yeah. Yep. Hey, one of the ways they extract value is to is to draft at, at heavy positions. They they've been doing that for a while now, and and so you know when there's a particularly rich position, they like to they like to bring those guys in for thirty visits. They like to draft those positions, and I think they again that's it's really about squeezing value. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Katie, I, do you think that David Ajabu has any chance at all to make it to to fifty six? He's so raw. Like everything that I read about him, because I'm I, I'm no longer the guy that grinds film. Like I, I did that for a couple of years and I wanted to be on top of every collegiate prospect. And I was like, I'm wearing too many hats. So now I just rely on people that I trust to make positive evaluations. And when I see the description of his play, he just seems like a raw talent that could potentially based on that, like he has an unlimited ceiling, but that's kind of what the draft is about anyway, you know? So I think there's a possibility that he could make it. I've seen him go anywhere from like 16 to 60. Like I've, I've really seen him drop all the way in the second round because people are like, you know, Hutchinson was on the opposite end and, you know, we, they don't really respect the production out of him, but the traits are clearly there. Mm -hmm. um, that would, that would be a very interesting pick for the Cowboys. I think, I think edge rusher is definitely in play for them um, early in the draft, uh, even as early as round one, if, you know, um, some of these guys drop you it's very rare I think I, I was doing some research it might have been it's been a long time I, I don't want to say it's been a whole decade but it's been a while since six edge rushers went to before pick 24 mm. you know all and that's pretty much what you're saying the Cowboys are going to be wiped at defensive end out of the six guys that everybody thinks are potential star edge rushers I think one of those guys is going to be there for them whether it's uh the Purdue kid uh, whether it's uh, Ojabo or one of these other guys. Um, and of course, everybody has an opinion on what the top 10 looks like. Um, but I, I think one of those guys that is consensus top six is going to be there for the Cowboys and make their decision a little hard. Do they go away from, you know, draft commandment number one and draft the sixth best edge rusher? Because that definitely runs counter to everything that they've done before. But what if 
it's that guy like Ojabo, who you say, okay, his production says he was the sixth best guy or the sixth best candidate, but his ceiling, his athletic ceiling says he might end up being the best out of all of them. You know, so those are the kind of things that front offices have to have to weigh and make their decisions based off of. I mean, hey, Daniil Hunter went in the third round at eight, at 88, you know, and I mean, similar, similar sort of cat, cat right? Yep. Unlimited athletic potential, ceilings high, you, you take a gamble on him. I could, I could see him last until 56. Yeah, I, I can see that. Sam Williams, the uh, Mississippi, yeah. uh, the Mississippi, Mississippi State, I think. Yeah, Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Um, yeah, those those guys are. There's a lot of talent, and it's all, it's all even. And I I really think that based on it being so even, and everybody has their favorites. I think that's really what boosts people up draft boards theoretical draft boards because the nfl draft boards we have no idea what they look like we always do a consensus on what all these you know grinding the mocks how they collect everybody's mock drafts and everything and we come up with these consensuses that have nothing to do with what nfl teams are looking at you know um as 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 much as the cottage industry it is and how valuable it is it's still nowhere near what NFL teams are looking because we see it all the time. And there are 32 independent front offices that all think differently and evaluate players differently. And we just have no clue. One guy, the draft, the draft community might be 100% correct on a player, but based on how the draft falls and where teams need that, a guy might still end up being second, third round and, and the draft community be right. And he's the best out of all of them. So I, I think it's all fluid and we shouldn't get married to uh, stock that's put in at this time of the year. Just it's more so wait until we see what happens with the draft in the first couple of years of the players' careers. Yeah, I do think it would be interesting if Ajabu somehow made it there to 56. And uh, it just seems like a total risk that uh, Jerry would love love to take. Um, after all, you know, he plays one of those money five positions. And uh, speaking yep. of money... Um, our next draft commandment is thou shalt follow the money. And so we know the Cowboys, they used to plan ahead when a player is coming for a new contract renewal. And then it looks like they're no longer be the, be worth their future salary. So they put themselves in a position to have a replacement in-house. So what can you say about this draft where that would fall in line with that commandment? Um, I think the Cowboys are definitely going to take a tight end at some point by round four, because that's the elephant in the room. Dalton Schultz is on a uh, one-year contract. They have until July 15th to come up with a long-term agreement, but right now he's playing under the franchise tag and they have absolutely nothing proven behind him. So I think right there, that's an easy follow the money. He's $11 million this year uh, that establishes negotiating parameters for a long-term deal. Um, You know, the 120% of the $11 million is basically what his, salary will look like moving forward because nobody negotiates backwards from getting tagged. You thought I was worth $11 million last year. As long as I don't get injured or have a hideous regression to my performance, I'm going to be worth 120% of that next year because if you franchise tag me again, that's where it starts. So getting ahead of that would mean drafting a tight end relatively early this year. I think that is the number one position. Um, Follow the money. Ezekiel Elliott's contract is something that you can escape from in 2023. Do not be surprised if the Cowboys look to grab one of these running backs that you can get in the fourth, fifth round and be an immediate starter, the Florida kid, the Florida State kid. Numerous guys in this draft can be uh, 
number one running back. So number one running back isn't even the same as it meant when we drafted Ezekiel Elliott. It's a completely different aspect. You're looking for a tandem. You want multiple guys at the position, but Tony Pollard is a free agent next year. So you have basically both number one and number two running back positions opening up if you're following the money. So I think running back is going to be something that I've done mock drafts and everybody like, oh, you ruined the draft because you took a running back in the fifth round. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, first of all, it's a fifth round pick. Second of all, there's an obvious need at that position. Um, do the Cowboys want to ever invest in wide receiver? There's a lot of theories out there that, you know, you don't invest in the wide receiver position. Just keep replenishing it with talent over and over again. So maybe it's get somebody, somebody in the pipeline so that when in two years, when CD Lamb is up, you can make the decision to move away from Michael Gallup and still be seamless. Or maybe you don't give Lamb that second contract because you just keep on drafting wide receivers in the first three rounds and just keep on supplementing that. Um, I think those are the main areas. Um, but the Cowboys have needs everywhere that can be expensive. And what we're seeing right now, everything's just going haywire. The money is there for the future caps. Like people are getting deals now because the 2023 cap is going to explode. And remember we had the pandemic and we had the backtracking on the salary cap and all of those sorts of things, but the money was supposed to be there this season in 2022. This was supposed to be the first year that the gambling revenue, the new TV deals and all of that kind of stuff kicked in that ballooned the salary cap. And it got pushed back because it was still holdover after the 2020 no fans 2021 cap was impacted and then that spilled over to 2022 and even though the cap jumped a lot in 2022 it was still lessened by the fact that they were making up for some of the lost revenue from 2020 that still carried over and muted the increase but 2023 i expect it to balloon and you're seeing the contracts go that way so you're seeing these outrageous wide receiver contracts um some of these offensive linemen contracts are there uh, I don't think the Cowboys will ever look to, like Zach Martin is a Cowboy for life. They will never look to do anything. He is the one guy. I put him above Dak Prescott. The Cowboys will move away from Dak Prescott before they move away from Zach Martin. Zach Martin is a Cowboy for as long as he wants to be here. Um, but there are other positions. Tyron Smith is not very expensive by offensive tackle uh, money nowadays. Um but there could be some follow the money and follow the aging when it comes to the tackle position. I think that they're relatively secure in Smith and still being your starters, but they could definitely get an offensive line, uh, an offensive tackle in there and feel good about it and, and have some challenges coming up in the next year or two. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you mentioned running back because I think, I think we're going to be surprised by what they do at that position. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, with Zeke and Pollard, we don't even know that they're going to be playing playing for the Cowboys, you know, in 2023. So it wouldn't surprise me if, A, the Cowboys went a little earlier than expected, maybe as early as maybe fourth round. If, you know, one of those those guys you're talking about falls and you're just getting a, a really good back at, at that value. Or maybe they might, since they have nine picks, maybe they might throw a couple darts, you know, and because yep. so that and. Another another thing too is I I think I 100% agree with you with the tight end because I I think that one of their their visitors is a is a Dalton Schultz clone and, and with K Dot and the the Washington guy so I it could be yep. like if if you know we got we got um Schultz on the tag you know if we somehow end up landing Otten in the draft then there we go that solves our problem and then we that saves us you know you know that that contract and then they can move away from from Schultz so. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, and some of these these decisions won't be necessarily early round decisions, but you know, some of the later rounds could could end up solving a lot of the Cowboys' financial issues too. So, yeah, when I when I look at the um 
the tight end position and the guys that they brought in on the business. I mean, it's it's a large percentage for tight end that involved in their 30 visits. Um, Jelani Woods, I think uh, he's an athletic freak, uh, the best testing uh, tight end in basically the history of the combine. Um, he, he is a third rounder better guy. I think that people have had him underestimated through this draft process and they're just now catching on. Like when I was doing my drafts early, I could get Jelani Woods in the fifth round. There's no way he's he's a potential second round guy. Virginia just didn't have the offense to uh, you know to capitalize on his skill set, but I think he is a early guy, you know, a top 65, 70 type of player. Um, not shocked if he goes in the second round. But then you have a guy like um, Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M who's completely shot himself in the foot athletically, and he went from a potential second or third round pick to now a late day three possible UDFA guy. Um, they have the other guy. Who's the other guy that they have in there? Ruckert out of Ohio State, never used in the passing offense, but looks like he can do everything that you ask him to do. Should be there in the third or the fourth round. So I think tight end is one of those positions that the Cowboys are prepared. They'll look other places, but if those guys that they had keyed in on for those rounds aren't there, we have a tight end that we can fit in there. And I, 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 I have no doubt that they're going to take tight end in this draft. No question. No question. And it's going to be a specific type of tight end. I, I don't, I think that they realize that a guy like Dalton Schultz, um, they need at least one of those guys who can sort of play an in, inline Y, but also like is sort of equally effective in both the passing and running game. Because I think one of the things that they learned about with someone like Blake Jarwin or um, some of the other kind of like, you know, split out sort of glorified big receiver tight ends is that it telegraphs too much what they're going to do. And, and since they're such a run heavy team, I think they really want to kind of leave the, leave the yep. defense guessing. So if you look at all those cats that you just outlined, they're all those kind they're all like Dalton Schultz clones in, in the sense that they're kind of like, they can do, a, they can do a little bit in both and they're not going to telegraph what the, what the sort of offensive play and in, intent in is going to be, um, you know, when they're in the huddle. Uh, I think, so I think the one guy, sorry, before we move off, I think the one guy that, doesn't quite fit that is Woods. I, I don't yeah, think Woods' yeah. is blocking is there, but he's such a dynamic athlete. Then you look at Woods and say, okay, well, we need Sean McEwen to step up and be that Dalton Schultz type guy in the future. So you have a year, like if you draft Woods, you then have a year to figure out whether McCune could be the compliment blocking type right. of guy. And if not, then you turn back around and then you draft another one of those guys next year to compliment Woods. So I, I think there's a game plan for all of those guys. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and Woods is huge too. I mean, it's not like he's too, he's not, he's right. dominant at 235. Right. He's a monster. So he's like a guy that can, can learn. If they can give him yeah. some technique and he, you know, he yep. can lower a little bit, he'll be, he'll be effective. Yep. Yep, you know, exactly. you look at his body, you're like, oh, I can teach him to block. Yeah, that's what Bill Parcells used to say. Like, you don't need, like, tight ends don't need to be able to block out the gate. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. nowadays you want everybody to be insta, insta star, but, you know, you can teach a tight end to block. That's the one position where a guy, it's kind of like in baseball where you have an offensive power hitter, you stick him in the outfield, and eventually he learns how to play the outfield pretty well, like like yeah. Juan Soto. Like Juan Soto was trash in the outfield, and now he's on the gold glove list because you can just learn those types of things. Tight ends can learn how to block. Outfielders can learn how to track a fly ball. Those kinds of things are teachable. Yeah, you got to get that bat Absolutely. in the lineup for sure. You know, get out there and fill balls. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> right. You're not going to teach a guy uh, who's a great fielder to hit a curve, though. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so let, let, let's move to the next commandment. Um, this is this is a good one too, and I think this one holds real steady. And I I would expect it to continue, but I'd love to hear what you have to say about it, KD. And that is, thou shalt not covet small schoolers. 
This Thank seems you. to be one of Will McClay's. Uh, it's like right there, like you know, like if if um, if if Miss if Mrs. McClay has like done a needlepoint that's hanging in his office, that's what it says. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting because the Cowboys just re- flat out refuse to take small school guys. When I was doing the list, you you have basically three tiers of collegiate prospects, and the Cowboys are very. Uh, keen on believing that your the level of competition that you face at the college game prepares you uh, or has an impact on how capable you are going to uh, be able to deal with NFL speed and power. If you don't go to a big conference, if you're not in one of these power five conferences, you're just not seeing the level of competition that prepares you for what you're going to see in the NFL. And therefore it lengthens the curve of you learning the professional game. Not only do you have to learn the playbook that's specific to your team, but you also have to learn how to deal with speed and power that you've never been matched up before. So when you look at the history of the Cowboys draft power five, almost every single draft pick uh, going back all the way to like 2014. Uh, there were at least five of the Cowboys draft picks were from power five schools. Then you have the group of five, which is a still adequate level of competition. Um, it's not the top tier. It's not the sec pac 12, big 10, big 12 type of, you know, uh, ACC type of talent, but it's there. The conference USA's um, you know, those sorts of things. The Cowboys almost never go outside those 10 conferences almost never once in 2020 they went outside of that i'm trying to remember who who was the guy um danucci that, that did, danucci. was that was that it it was james yeah. madison and danucci there you go so that was a favor like that yeah. was a personal yep. favor from head coach mike <laughs> mccarthy that danucci needed that, that danucci was going to land in the league so honestly they don't do it so mm-hmm. When you're going through the names that keep getting associated with the Cowboys, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, I mean, Sky Moore is tremendous, but he's not a power five guy. Are the Cowboys going to consider him? Um, Bernard Raymond, are the Cowboys going to consider him? Like, these are things that they just have horse blinders on. They will not go to these guys that don't come out of a power five school. So it's it'll be interesting to see if they stray from it. But again, they do take group of five players, just not at the frequency of the power five guys. So that's where you might get, okay, well, they go SEC in the first round. They go, you know, ACC in the second round. And then, okay, they maybe go group of five and take a guy, you know, later on. Um, But it's it's not going to be dominated. Like if you do a mock draft of all small school guys or mid-tier guys, you're going to be zero for zero for seven, zero for nine. It's just not how the Cowboys do business. Yeah. And that's a very important thing is, I mean, because if you get, if like, you know, if you're a Sky Moore guy, you know, you got a lot of hype for Sky Moore and you haven't apprised yourself of the way the Cowboys operate. I mean, that's the, he's going to have to defy odds for for the Cowboys yep. to to pick that. So I mean, it's I think that's one of the really important things from this uh, is just just because of the Cowboys statistics just it it shows the Cowboys just have no interest in uh, you know. So don't get too excited about those small school guys. Um, and, and Will McClay has gone on record as saying he doesn't want guys that are going to wet their pants. You know, so it's it's yep. very clear even in the, even in that expression, he's like it's it's very clear how he feels about small school guys. Not a lot of respect for him. They're not ready yeah. for the big stage. Danucci didn't do anything to help that either. <laughs> no, he didn't. They've been proven correct. I mean, you know, the, the Cowboys get a lot of credit for how well they draft. Um, and that kind of goat, like you can't doubt any of their edicts because the one thing you can't complain about is how the Cowboys draft. Nobody's perfect. 
They're going to have situations where they take a guy like Taco Charlton or a guy like Leighton Vanderish can't get past the injury concerns when, you know, they might have been there concerns before the draft. But overall, the Cowboys do a damn good job of drafting. So when you look through these commandments and, and you say, oh, well, that's really, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Not really, because it's proven to work for them. Yeah. Just a, just a real quick review of some of the other some of the other commandments that um, that Katie's been playing with here. Uh, one, one of them is thou shalt prioritize certain positions over others. And so he's identified some positions that the Cowboys have a strong preference for drafting in the past. Um, one that seems to sort of come and go. I'm not sure. It's, it, it's interesting because some years they seem to really hit this one heavy. Thou shalt prioritize athleticism in your prospects. Um, one that I think I feel pretty confident will not happen this year because it happened last year, which is thou shalt give the defensive coordinator one year to learn current personnel before opening the draft floodgates. We saw them actually do that in year one with Dan Quinn. Um, and then, and then another one, thou shalt use thy official visits wisely. So we started here before you joined us, Katie, talking about the 30 visits. I think that we're, you know, if you do an all mock draft, just using 30 visit guys, you're going to have a pretty strong mock, but let's, I I do want to create space for this last, this last commandment here, which is um, thou shalt mine the pre-draft presser for gold. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the Cowboys, uh, prior to the pandemic, the Cowboys would annually have a pre-draft presser where Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones would just take questions from the local media. And didn't matter what they were asked, they shot it straight. Now, you had to, you know, be able to translate Jerry speak. That, that's rule number one. You had to be able to translate it. But nine times out of 10, they were going to give you an answer about exactly what they were going to do in the draft. They would tell you which positions were going to be taken. Um, they, they would tell you which ones they prioritized over the other. Um, they would rarely would they, I mean, they don't mention prospects in these talks, but you can identify based on their answers levied against the pre-draft official visit list and be like, oh, well, that's clearly, that's who they're targeting. You know, there's three guys that match the mold. And then they said that they were going to pick wide receiver. The wide receiver was their top priority. There's only one wide receiver that they looked at on the official visit list. That's their first round guy. So that's going to be the guy that they targeted. You could really pick through everything that they had to do. And then the pandemic happened in 2020. And we didn't have pre-draft pressure. Everything was just kind of thrown off. So that's why that one has kind of fallen back. But I think we've already seen it so far this year and people are complaining like the Cowboys don't believe that they're giving any away any privileged information. They don't think by saying we're going to, and I, I tend to agree with them on this. You know, I'm not one of those guys that everything that I know this year in particular, everything the Cowboys do is wrong and questioned by the entire fan base. They can do no right. Despite the fact that they were still 12 and five, I am pissed off as anybody else, but the Cowboys aren't complete idiots the way that they're being portrayed right now by the fan base. So when they say something like, it's clear that we're going to prioritize wide receiver, that's no secret. It's not like a team is going to be sitting there and saying, oh, well, we have to jump the Cowboys to get a wide receiver. Everybody knows the Cowboys need a wide receiver. Everybody knew that Amari Cooper's contract was structured to be released after two years. And based on the production that he was given, the Cowboys were going to be looking to offload him. So them saying that they were going to look to trade Amari Cooper didn't lessen Amari Cooper's value in any way. Like these are all things that just, the Cowboys are open because they evaluate and they say, it doesn't make a difference what we say. People are still going to do what they do. People have done their research. They're familiar and we're good to go. Yeah. I, lo- I love the presser. That's the, the pre-drop presser is my favorite time uh, for listen, listening to them. And, uh, you know, I sit there and I try to 
dissect what they're going to say. And I remember one ep- instance in 2016, and it's funny because Rabs and Landon picked up on the exact same thing. They they were talking about Joey Bosa, and I remember them talking about someone asked him about his character and stuff, and and Jones said that you know his character will not stop us from from picking him. And and what he was really translating is when we don't pick him. It won't be because of the character, and I mean, and, and so those pressers just like they're gold mines of information. If if you know, you got to be able to, to to interpret Jerry. That's important, but uh, yep. but absolutely love those for uh, information. I mean, when was the last time, honestly? When was the last time you were surprised? I mean, disappointed maybe, but when's the last time you were surprised by a Cowboys pick, especially a pick in the first round? Yeah, the the last time was when they didn't go what? I mean, we we had. But were you surprised? I wasn't surprised. I, I was surprised because I really thought that they were going to do it. Like we had what pegged as the guy for two months but and did, maybe, you know, they? I relied on the group chat. Well, it felt like it. It felt like it. There were tea leaves that they were leaning what, and then they changed their mind mm-hmm. and decided to go talk over him. Um, but I had people that had, that had the intel that they were looking at taco. Um, I didn't want to listen to them, but there, there were people that definitely were like, you know, taco could be the guy um so yeah so from that perspective it wasn't a surprise that they picked taco it was more of a i really thought they were going to choose what but Mm -hmm. outside of that you don't get surprised at anything that the cowboys do we knew during 2020 when the countdown was going and we got to pick 11 and we were like these wide receivers are still there holy crap we could get cd lamb like you know so the because we knew what the cowboys were looking for and just didn't expect that to be there so even when there's a shock pick there is still precedent for it based on what had been done before and, and the things that we had gleaned from the way that they talked about the upcoming draft class. Yeah. I, honestly, the last time I was like, what just happened was when they, when they traded up for Mo Claiborne, that's the one. Mo I Claiborne. Yep. Oh, brother. Yep. And honestly, every other one, like every other one, I'm like, oh, there it is. I knew that was happening. And, and honestly, yep. I felt that way about taco too. I really felt like they're going to, they're going to pick this kid taco. I, I just, and I wasn't surprised at all that they did it. Yeah. And and one of the interesting thing is I I had a discussion with a, with a Twitter follower and I was like, name me the time, you know, you're, you're so worried about the Cowboys exposing themselves and their plans. Who's the guy that they got jumped for? Mm -hmm. Name them, name the guy that they got jumped for. Couldn't do it. They told me, um, Dallas Goddard, you know, and I I said, he would know. And I said, the, the Cowboys weren't on Goddard. Like Jason Witten retired during the draft. Like during draft weekend, Jason Witten retired. And that's why that need became, you know, so important. And okay, so the Eagles might have connected tea leaves and said, oh, they don't have Witten. We might need to jump ahead of them to get this guy. But it wasn't like the Cowboys were telegraphing that they were honed in on Goddard the, in the entire time. It doesn't happen. The Cowboys have never been burnt by these pre-draft press conferences, whether they're immediately before the draft or in the month before the draft. Certainly not two months before the draft. Nobody cares. Like they all, they all know what they're going to do anyway. And you know why? It's because the, the real source of information where information gets exchanged is not, you know, what the, what the front office says, it, it, you know, when they're in front of the media, it's what scouts do when they're at the combine go. and they've had yep. about five beers and suddenly yep. they're, suddenly they start talking about their prospects. They start arguing about prospects. I mean, if, if you're a scout and you go to the combine sober, you know, at the end of that, what every single team is going to do. There you go. That's a great point. That's an absolute great point. Scouts love talking smack and they love telling secrets. So they look better. <laughs> there and you so, go. It's, it's always about being the smartest person in the room. And you can't do it if you don't show your cards. Absolutely so. <laughs> right. Absolutely right. That's it. So that, that's where all that stuff leaks out. 
Well, listen, dude, it was, it was great talking to you about the commandments. Uh, Dan, why don't you tell the folks where we can find this man's fine work? Yes, you can reach KD on Twitter at KD Drummond NFL. He is the manager editor at Cowboys Wire. You can check out all his fine writing and editing at CowboysWireUSAToday.com. And he is also the originator and co-host of Catch This Fade podcast. Available on Patreon. Which, you know, for me is really like basically uh, KD and, and Patrick getting together and playing the Cowboys dozens. There's a, there's a, there's a, lot, it's a lot of fun, man. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we tend to try to give the people uh, something a little bit different than what the normal podcast platform does. Um, and it is a subscription service, and we try to make sure that it's not going to be just what you could get from, uh, you know, an over-the-air podcast, something that's not subscription. So we, we try to add an entertainment value to our show. Um, obviously, that that's my brother uh, from another mother. We go back way back. Um, and, and we have that rapport that I, I think works very well. So uh, if you're interested in hearing us, make sure you check out patreon.com slash catch this fade uh, available for subscription on both audio and video for two different uh, price tiers. Uh, but we, we try to make it well worth your money. It's money well spent, everybody. Thanks, brother. It was good, great talk. I appreciate you, you guys. Thanks, Always a pleasure. All right. Take care, Dan. Take care. Well, I don't need to tell you how much I enjoy uh, chopping up with KD. You know, he and I go way back to uh, the old BTB days and, um, you know, he's, he's terrific. And I really just respect his knowledge and opinions. Yeah. I mean, that was so much fun. And honestly, it's like, we could just talk hours with that guy. And, uh, you know, and those commandments are just so valuable. I mean, it's been something that I have been going off of for many years and just very helpful. It, you know, helps, helps you be one of the, the more wiser cowboy fans and we have KD to thank for that i absolutely sure love do. talking the draft and speaking of talking the draft what do we got going on next week rabs ah well we're gonna have our good friend john owning who, uh, who for my money is really the best scout and analyst of talent um in, in cowboys draft twitter and uh, we're going to talk to John about his scouting process and drill down into the draft, looking at some of his favorite players outside of the top 100. All right. Well, that is it for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, Cowboys Hot Topics, favorite draft prospects, or any awkward visitors that showed up at your house, you know, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have Cowboys Oi with Mauricio Rodriguez, and Sunday we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check those out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. That's dismissed.